NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. All right, guys, welcome into another episode of Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. I am Joshua Toomey, and as always, joined by the one, the only, Chris Hagen. Chris, how we doing? I am awesome, man. It's um, getting ready for the snowpocalypse over here, and I, I take it you're getting it too, huh? That's the rumor, man. That's the rumor. <laughs> well, as long as we have our metal to keep us busy, man, it's you know it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm happy staying in. It's fine, as long as I got tunes. There we go. And yeah, the uh, the COVID has ran through my house, and so my voice is still not 100%, but uh, you know what? I'm going to trudge through. Well, at least you didn't get it as bad as I did. You haven't been hospitalized. <laughs> right. Yeah, I definitely was not on my deathbed. Yeah, well, I was. It's not fun. Anybody <laughs> anybody that's had it, I can tell you for a fact, not fun. <laughs> yeah, not fun at all when you get it that bad. Uh, guests this week on the show, Morgan Lander of Kitty. Nice. She will be on to talk about the uh, them being added to the uh, When We Were Young Festival, uh, doing some more shows. They just recently did a, a nice little roundtable uh anniversary roundtable so we'll have her on talk about all that good stuff and uh unfortunately we do have to start out the show with a little bit of sad news um guest of not only talk to me but also of the cms is uh uh john zazula johnny z has passed away and most of you guys know him as the guy that uh, that that basically mortgaged his house to to start a record label to sign a little unknown band named metallica right so so sad to hear he went Dude, it, it is such a bummer. And, and, you know, old guys like me, anyway, certainly understand Johnny's importance. But for, for anybody that, that doesn't fully know who Johnny is, if you like heavy music, it's him. You, yeah. He's the reason that you get to hear it because he found he, he, you know, at that time you had like the hair bands were out, like Quiet Riot, Motley Crue, you know, that kind of shit. Johnny Z took took it to that next level by signing Metallica, Anthrax, Overkill, Testament. You know, he found out between him and, and another guest that we've both had, Michael Alago, yeah. you know, between those two guys, you really got heavy music into, you know, at, at least into more mainstream-ish venues, which then obviously Metallica obviously skyrocketed and it opened the door for everybody. But without Johnny Z, you don't get... You don't get the black album and you don't get, you know, you don't get how many unbelievable records that we all count as our top, you know, our top records of all time. So oh, yeah. yeah, tragic, tra- to, it's tragic, but you know, I don't, I don't know if you thought this or not, but it seemed like when his wife died a year ago, he kind of oh, yeah, like, yeah. lost, lost his energy. It's almost like he did the book and did the interviews, kind of like get it out there before he checked out himself. At least that's how it looks. Yeah, he definitely when it, when Marsha passed away last year, you could tell every post that he's made in the last year on Facebook mm-hmm. and whatnot has just been like, "I miss my wife, I miss her, I miss her." Yeah. So, so I don't know how much you believe in like an afterlife and and reuni- reuniting with somebody, but if if it happens, you know, I, I think he's in a much better place if he's sure. been reunited with her, because from what I could tell, man, in the interview I did with him and the interviews I've listened to in other with other people, uh, he talked about how much she was a was a was sure. a supporter of him. And I mean, you know, you've been married. I'm married. And yeah. and could you imagine going to your wife and saying, let's take out a second mortgage so I can start a record label to sign a band from on the other side of the country. And it, yeah. it's just, it's just crazy. Everything that, uh, everything that he did, because you gotta, you gotta think, man, back then I've heard no life to leather and I've heard some of those demos and, and it's not like they just screamed, right, this is no. going to be the biggest band ever. Right. And, and for him to hear something in them, you know, pay for them to come across the country Pay for them to do, you know, kill them all. Uh, sure. It's 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 crazy. It's a, it's like a, a like a, a prophetic almost. Yeah, well, it is because you know the other thing that you're leaving out of that is there was no track record at all. 
you know, there wasn't other heavy bands where you're like, well, this band could do it because they also add something. Right. You know, I mean, there was those bands existed way deep in the underground. I mean, I, I was growing up in that time and uh, there was no the first time I heard Metallica in 82 or three or whatever it was. You know, I mean, there was nothing like it. There right. was, you know, we're listening to Y and T and thinking, damn, is that heavy? <laughs> That's fast. You know, you're listening to Black Tiger or something. It's like, Jesus. Then all of a sudden you get Metallica, you know, a million miles an hour. There was nothing. There was nothing about Metallica at that time that screamed, this is going to be the biggest band in the world. There just was nothing that said that. I mean, think about think real hard about 81 and 82 and 83 what were the big bands prince john cougar mellencamp <laughs> right. um you know uh billy squire you know there there was nothing in this that was heavy everything was all mellow 38 special and and this guy saw that band and right. you know and to to a large part every other band that became huge the overkill anthrax testament I think he, I don't, I don't think he signed Slayer, but I think Slayer was signed by Brian Slagle as a, right. uh, as a direct, almost as a direct answer to Metallica getting a deal and getting to go across the country to play, you know? So, I mean, Megadeth, I mean, all of those bands came out of the, out of the thought that Johnny Z had the crazy. And let's be honest. It was a crazy thought at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that he was prophetic as much as he was some crazy loony pot smoking record store guy that had a, had a dream and the dream, the dream luckily came together, but um, yeah, man, huge, huge loss. I, I mean, it's weird because I, I don't know that I'm sad as much as I, I think I'm just more thankful, I guess. And, I personally am certainly thankful that I got to interview him. You know, I actually got to go to rock and roll heaven once. So, you know, yeah. I, I told that story on, on my interview about meeting him as a kid and him, him yanking the Motley crew record out of my hand and said, <laughs> no, buy this instead. Right. And it was the, you know, it was Raven all for one by Raven. He's like, no, I'd buy this instead. You know, he wouldn't let me buy a hair metal record, but I, I personally super thankful. I got to interview him once and got to tell him that story and got to, you know, know him a little tiny bit. I, I wish that I know him a lot more and, you know, I wish I could have seen more of that ride instead of kind of reporting on it, but what a dude, man. And what a, what a huge loss for metal. Yeah. That was an interview that I did that I, I kind of went away, not happy with the interview itself. Okay. And, and, and you know, this, you know, when you, when you interview people like Michael Alago or, or, or Johnny Z or those guys that like, they they aren't the band, they aren't Metallica, but they're yeah. the guys that discovered Metallica or they saw something in Metallica or or mm-hmm. or things like that. So you you kind of you want to talk about them, but you also want to talk about the band they found and you want to kind of have a good bridge in between. And then sure. also he was on a press tour. He I'm sure he had to say the same. Well, I heard No Life to Leather and I right. know, called him and I talked to Lars. You know, he said that over and over and over. So you want to try to find something else in the book or in his past mm-hmm. that you, uh, you know, that he, he might want to talk about a little bit more sure. than, than the rehashing the Metallica story right. over and over and over to where he's almost on autopilot. Right. It, it, it is difficult because, you know, the other thing too, is those types of guys, they don't have the stories, right. you know, you talk to a Metallica and they, they could tell you about that time when the chord didn't work and they played, you know, through a box amp that some fan had in their trunk, you know, they, they can, they, they can tell you those stories. The, the, the Johnny Z's of the world, what did they do? They, they were Johnny, Johnny Z's story as well. We, we found this demo and we pressed it up and we sold it at rock and roll heaven for two ninety nine or what, you right. know, it's, it's, it's not as glamorous of a story, but it's, um, you know, nonetheless, it's a glamorous or not. It's, it's literally one of the pillars of the music that we have. And yeah, I I mean, I can't imagine having that kind of vision. You know, I I can imagine having that kind of taking that shot because I, I different world, but I did it with my business. You know, I, I got fired from a job and I just said, yeah, I'm not going back to work anymore. And and with a wife, three kids and a mortgage. And I was like, yeah, I've got $300 in the bank. I'm not going back to work. It's the same kind of a, well, it's going to f- sink or swim. And luckily it didn't 
sink, you know? Right. But, but, you know, I can't even imagine doing that and saying, yeah, I'm not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to do that in a world that nobody has ever proven able to do it. That's, that's insanity. What, what Johnny Z did. Yeah. I I think the one, the one story I remember from our chat was uh, I asked him about cliff and uh, he, he gave a great story about, um, he said, he said Cliff disappeared one time and, and they found him and he was reading one of Johnny Z's kids, like a good night story. <laughs> like how cool is that to like, you know, that Cliff Burton is upstairs. Sure. You know, reading the kid a, a bedtime story. Oh man, that's, that, that is cool. You know, and to have those memories and, and to have those thoughts and, you know, just, just to like, you know, we have a mutual friend, Bob Nalbandian. And it's fun to talk to Bob sometimes just to hear the stories, not necessarily oh, yeah. to even talk to him, you know, in this kind of an environment where we're doing something to entertain the masses. But it's it's some it's fun sometimes to just talk to him and say, yeah, we were at this backyard barbecue and Lars was over here doing this. And Paul Bailoff came over and he punched him in the eye and said this or whatever. You know, I, I mean, those kind of stories are just cool to hear. Cause we weren't part of that. And and when they tell it, it's just like me, me, me and you saying, yeah, me and you went to the bar and our friend John showed up and you know, he bought shots, but meanwhile, they're doing it with just legends. You know, they're doing it with, well, the guy from Testament came over and then the guy from overkill said to the guy from anthrax, you know, it's like, wow, <laughs> right. You know, and this is in somebody's backyard. <laughs> you know, it's just cool shit. You know, I, I know how the business, the music business works to an, to an extent. Sure. And then so you wonder if if he's still making kill em all money or if he's still making some ride the lightning money or like somewhere along the lines. I know that Metallica got the rights to all of their music and they put out all the stuff on the on the blackened record recordings or whatever they're called now. And and so you, you just kind of wonder, like, was it was it financially, you know, a, 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 a huge thing for him or, yeah. you know, at the, at the end of the day, I, w- I wonder, you know, you you know, know what, what he made kind of thing. I'm going to think that it, I mean, I don't think he was like a multi-zillionaire. I don't think he had Metallica money per se, but I think Metallica probably took care of him because it just, and and I have nothing to prove that on other than a hunch, I guess, but it, it very much just seems like in a way, the way that they were kind of the first ones out, out the gate, you know, sending condolences and whatever to him. And I've seen pictures of them with him, you know, yeah. over the last 10, 15 years, even where it's like, it seems like they kept him kind of in their, in their right. camp. I have, I have a few other friends that were part of that original scene, that original San Francisco scene. And they're, you know, they don't hear from Metallica. Right. And, and Johnny Z seemed like he was still always hearing from Metallica. It seemed like they would go out of their way to find him whenever they were in new york if he was in new york or wherever he was so my hunch and he he never has a bad word to say either which makes me think yeah he probably was taken care of on some level by the metallica cats but whether he was or he wasn't i i mean you would hope that he was it is the music business where a lot of people do a lot of things for people and don't get paid in kind but you know whatever i mean to me to me it's just it's one of those things where if he was taken care of good on good on those guys for, you know, at least remembering their roots. Oh yeah. And you, you, you almost got to wonder too, of how much he, how much animosity he might've had towards Michael Alago for, for kind of, you know, kind of, you know, taking, taking Taking the from him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, does it seem to you like he had that kind of, that kind of venom. I, I just didn't get that, that, that vibe off him. That he would bit. be, did you, I mean, yeah. he, he may have, I don't know. I guess we can't ask him, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, he may have, he may have a little bit, but you know, I, I mean, he was definitely smart enough to understand that a guy like Alago was the next thing, you know, yeah. he was the, that was the next step. That band, let's be honest. If Metallica would have just stayed Johnny Z's little thing, then he would, they would have stayed, johnny z's little little thing you know being fair as as much as i want to celebrate the guy metal megaforce the the label that he started never really launched anybody to super super status that stayed on megaforce right 
they they might have got their start. There's a lot of bands that came through Megaforce and signed somewhere else for the money. You know, and, and Anthrax especially comes to mind. I mean, they started there and then they were phew, gone. You know, so and it wasn't Testament on Megaforce first, yeah. I think too. Yeah. So, you know, and again, both Testament what they do. They they got their feet on the ground and they immediately went to Atlantic and you know, phew, gone. Right. You know, so I, he may have, I, I don't know if he had the animosity or not. I, to me as a fan, I'm, I'm very much appreciative of both of those guys. Cause without that one, two tandem, we don't have Metallica and I cannot, can you imagine what the music world would sound like if we never would have had Metallica be <laughs> anything more than an underground band? Yeah, that would be nuts, man. And, wow. And, you know, it's funny. You talked earlier about those, those guys that were in that original San Francisco circle, you know, when, mm-hmm. when, when my wife and I went out to, San Francisco for the the Mr. Bungle show uh, the day before I believe um, Scott Ian and Brian Posehn did a did an in store at uh, Amoeba sure and some of those like early San Francisco Metallica crew dudes were there okay but it, but it's funny you know they're also the same age as Metallica but they like never gave it up right you know to where like Metallica <laughs> you know they 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 they, they grew with their look. And they, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, you know, they, they look like, but the, yeah. the dudes that were kind of in that crew that were there, that show still had the patches and, the right. and that, and you're like, all right, man, you know, Hey, yeah. till you die. Yeah. They're metal to the core. That's for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, let's dive into one more story before I get into my interview with uh, Morgan Lander, but uh, a fan favorite of both of ours, uh, the late Pantera drummer, Vinnie Paul Abbott's home in Arlington, Texas. Just been listed for $750,000. Well, shit, where's my wallet? I have that just sitting in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) The secluded hilltop 3,784 square foot house completed in 1995 uh, sits on 1.5 acres, 40 plus foot ceilings, four bedrooms, four and a half baths, two game rooms, and a secret slash safe room. Wow, dude. How... How awesome would that be to own that? Where where's Jose Mangan? Has he has yeah, he put right. his bid in yet? <laughs> Is there a GoFundMe to uh to, to to refurbish the house? He's already got a car that's been in the driveway, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> I get the rest of it. But uh yeah, I mean uh, you you know you always see these uh this house like in the uh the home videos, and I, I believe this is the house that Rex talks about a lot. I think Rex had a house in this neighborhood too, and sure. And uh, and Rex talked about it in his book and things like that. So yeah, so we, we you know you could sleep in the same room Vinnie Paul did if you want to. Yeah, you know the the one story that I've heard about this house. I mean, I've heard a bunch of stories about it, but my my friend Billy Morris, he was the guitar player for a minute in Warrant. He okay. he was in Warrant for a minute, and Janie Lane. Uh, you know how the Pantera the Pantera guys were big hair metal fans. And so I guess Warrant was through town one time and they invited Janie to come out. So Janie invited Billy to come out and they went to the house and just partied. You know, it was it was knocking down drinks and doing whatever. And, you know, and they're playing pool and they're they're just having fun at the house. And, you know, they partied for like two or three straight days. And then at some point it was time to go. And um, Vinny. Vinny looked at Janie and said, yeah, okay, well, you, time for you and your roadie to leave. And my friend Billy was just devastated that he <laughs> thought that he was just his roadie the whole time instead of an actual member of the band. <laughs> wow. That, yeah, that's going to bum you out when you think you're like a peer the whole yeah. time. And Yeah, you think I've arrived. I'm mean, here, <laughs> here I am playing pool with Vinny Paul in his mansion. And that's like, okay, you and your roadie beat it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should just go ahead and do the GoFundMe, you know? Yeah. And 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 we'll we'll for $33, you know, we'll uh put your name on the inside of the house uh once we get to our goal of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And we could tile the walkway with bricks and put your name on one of the bricks, right? <laughs> <laughs> seven hundred fifty that's really not that bad for four thousand square foot house with an acre and a half and it's a mansion it's it's definitely not an ugly looking you know it's not a house like dimebag's house looks like a house i mean it's right. big but it looks like a house mainly because he was shooting firecrackers and shit off inside <laughs> it but, right you know vinnie's looks like a mansion there there's a definite difference between the two the two places one is a palace one is not but 
Oh, I miss those guys, man. I hate that. We're, I hate, hate, hate that we are. How many years are we now? Almost 20 without Dimebag? Yeah. 18? 2004, yeah, 18. Oh, 18 years without Dimebag. This world is just sadder without without a Dimebag in it, man. That guy <laughs> was so much fucking fun. Yes, he was. Oh. You know, I looked it, uh, I looked it up one day, and uh, the first time I met Dimebag was roughly... Um, August of 1994. Sure. Like August 8th, 1994. The last time I spoke to him was August 1st, 2004. Okay. Almost 10 years to the day. Right. And obviously he was taken from us like a, like a few weeks yeah. later. A couple months later. I know it, it dude, it, it's, it is so sad. Just, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough here in Cleveland. I did the last interview he did in Cleveland, yeah. in Ohio. And, you know, he was obviously killed in Ohio. So, you know, I, I literally did the last one. And it's not a badge of honor. It's a badge of sadness, to be honest, that, you know, that, man, I talked to this dude and then he was done. You know, and, and for me, I mean, I was supposed to be at that show. I was supposed to go down to Columbus. And truthfully, the only reason I didn't go is because I wasn't a fan of Damage Plan. Right. That's really, I just. I almost, yeah, I almost didn't go to the Damage Plan show here. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't feeling it the way I did Pantera. But, you know, I, I just. I don't know. I, I, I met him so many times and he was always him and Vince and, and Phil too. I and mean, Phil is always nice to me, but uh, you know, I just always had fun with those guys, partied with them so many times, um, you know, and, and they were always like accommodating, you know, that was, you know, who the hell am I? I'm just some dude right. that they knew in Ohio. And you know, my, my, my big story that I've always told about them was, went down it was them anthrax and um sebastian bach and phil called me and was like dude come on out we're gonna be we're gonna be in the in the akron area the akron area <laughs> akron. <laughs> the akron area and he was like come on out so me and my friend randy we went to the show at like three o'clock in the afternoon and just got ripped with those guys hammered and they somehow were able to still play, which was amazing. Cause I mean, we drank literally from like three o'clock. We're drinking shots until they went on stage. They go on stage, they play their show. Then they're like, uh, at, at the end of the night, they're like, yeah, we're going down to this bar in Canton. And, <laughs> and, and we're like, okay. So we all go to this bar in Canton and they play again with like a Pantera tribute band, Vinny and um, dimes. And they invite my friend Randy up because he looked a little like David Lee Roth. You know, they invite him to come up and sing. And he's singing Van Halen songs with the Pantera guys because he looked like David Lee Roth. Didn't sound like him at all, but he looked the part. So they were just like, yeah, let's go. And it was just nonstop, nonstop Crown Royal and vodka and booze and. It was insanity, man. And that's how those guys always, every time I saw those guys, the, the coolest thing was one dime bag always knew my name. He was in, him and Ronnie James deal were the two guys always knew my name and they didn't have to know my name, but you know, they, they did. And there was always that. And there was always shenanigans. If you got in a room one-on-one -on -one with dime bag, no matter, no matter what you were doing, you know, dude, I, I tell the story. I've told this a million times. I know I've told you the, um, the last interview I did with them was like this serious interview. And he got mad that I asked serious questions. <laughs> right. And he had me get up me and him. We pulled these two amps next to each other. He had us both stand up on the amps and do karate kid kicks. You know, the whole crane yeah, yeah. For on the top and kick each other in the chest and kick each other off the, the things. He was like, you got to pay for that. You got to pay for that. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever, dude. And we did. It was three, two, one. Boom. We both kicked each other. We both fell off the amps and everybody went and helped somebody. And I could tell you it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've said that a few times on the show, but you know, the last time I saw him at the damage plan show, like something came over me and I just thanked him for everything and, and sure. told him that I met him when I was a kid and met him throughout the years. And then I got to be in a band and I got to tour in a band and blah, blah, blah. And just like, I had this like very, healthy closure conversation with sure. him and then like i said man yeah a couple months later he's taken from us yeah it, it still bums me out when december rolls around every year that day bums me out man and 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 it has nothing to do with john lennon i'll tell you that it's all about <laughs> dime bag and you know we've had here we've had 
Dimebag or Pantera parties, several that we celebrate them on in December, where we all get together, we all get crown Royal, we all get hammered, you know, and we, and we watch the Pantera, the Pantera home videos and just turn it into a celebration. But man, oh man, it just, I look at the old pictures and stuff and I'm just like, Oh, you know, it it just sucks, man. There's nothing, there's nothing fun like that anymore. Right. You know, I, I mean, everything is so businessy now those guys i mean they were about business too but man you went to their sh- even if you'd never met the guys if you just went to a show you didn't come out of that show you know being like oh that was pleasant you know it was you were part of it they wouldn't let you just sit there and watch the show they were like get up get into it get moshing if you're in the chairs start stomping your feet in the chairs so we can hear it up here you know they were so they were part a Pantera show was an event. It wasn't oh, yeah. a show. You know, it was it was an event and you were every bit a part of it. And that that day is done. There's really I don't know that there's anybody that really does that now. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, something that does not bum me out is always talking to Morgan Lander of Kitty. Let's dive into my interview with Morgan Lander and uh, Chris. And I'll be right back with you. Slipknot, one of the most thrilling and visceral musical collectives on the planet, are back with their 2022 iteration of the infamous Knotfest Roadshow Tour. The tour will take place over two legs, both headlined by Slipknot. The first leg will feature guests In This Moment and Ginger. The second leg will feature special guests Cypress Hill and Horror. For full routing, tickets, and VIP packages, visit knotfest.com roadshow. It's a Knotfest roadshow experience you don't want to miss. All right, guys, let's welcome Morgan Lander of Kitty. And uh, are you are you still with Car Chaos? Yes, yes, okay. I am. I'm still with Car Chaos. We're just, uh, you know, trying to figure out all the things with, uh, you know, the COVID stuff happening still and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, there are lots to talk about with that. Awesome. Well, let's welcome you to uh, to NotFest.com here. Talk to me podcast once again. And, uh, you know, the one thing I wanted to bring you on for, obviously, is when the uh, the the When We Were Young Festival was yeah. announced. I posted about it. And then, like, I had, like, three people say something about Kitty. And I had to look back over that ad to see your name on it. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, oh, names. oh, wow. Kitty really is on this. But the the, the lineup of this show is absolutely insane. It is for sure. It's a, it's a big nostalgia fest. Uh, There's like a lot of, a lot of different kinds of bands playing, which is really cool. Um, I think the idea is like the nostalgia of the early to mid two thousands. A lot of what people would call emo, you know, post hardcore, um, but then you have like My Chemical Romance, you have Avril Lavigne, uh, bands like Atreyu are playing, um, and then you have Kitty. Uh, we are <laughs> right. also playing. <laughs> yeah, that's um, crazy. Like yeah. you know, like when they, you know, normally when you see a festival with this many bands on it, it's like very top heavy, and then you get into like bands you never heard of. But I mean, mm. like top to bottom on this, and I have a soft spot for this the the emo era. You know the the mid two thousands era and and like it it's it's one name after another. Uh, you mentioned Avril there. Do you guys have any kind of relationship with Avril being Canadian? Also, oh, yes, we all know each other in Canada. Yes, all right, uh, it is true. Uh, no, actually, um, I have have never uh, run across 
Avril in, in my travels. Um, but I guess there's a first time for everything. So we'll see what October will bring. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's going to be really cool. I'm sure she's, uh, just a normal Ontario girl. I suppose. I hope. <laughs> There's not um, a big like house where like Nickelback and Theory of a Dead Man and right. Avril and you guys and like, you know, yeah. Atlantis stops by. There's not that like that's that that doesn't happen in Canada. Yeah. Like the Canadian music scene, um, like party house. And we all just like we live like the monkeys, like right. all together. You guys, you guys yeah. share your Juno awards to each other. Yeah. Our Junos. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't have one of those. Oh, well, we, no. we need to get, get on that. I know. Right. Uh, well, how long was this in the making? Like how, how, how long ago did they reach out to you guys to, to have you on the show? Oh, wow. Um, it was, uh, actually in October. Oh, wow. So I know that they had, uh, a lot of, I mean, obviously with the number of bands and all of the logistics that will be involved with, you know, setting the festival up and whatnot, I, I was like, okay, I, I assumed like, yeah, like a year's time, that's that's enough to start the planning uh, part of stuff. So yeah, in October, I had heard from from them uh, and asked if Kitty would be interested. And actually, funny, I, at the time I was in Montreal uh, recording uh, the vocals for the Car Chaos album, and uh, so you know, playing a show with Kitty was one of the furthest things from my mind because I was so focused. I was only there for a week, and like I was singing like you know, ten hours a day. Da, 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 da. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, and, uh, I don't know, like, I mean, every once in a while you get, we get, you know, offers, we have people reaching out and saying, Hey, we'd love to get, you know, to to have you play. And like, I just don't know that a lot of people really sort of, uh, know or understand the, the kitty situation, which is kind of like, we're not, we are a band, but we're not, you know, like we are an active band, I should say. Um, so, you know, the logistics of putting this type of thing together are, uh, these are some new challenges for us, but, um, you know, it's sort of like riding a bike as well. You get back on it and you figure it out, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) When when will you guys actually kind of get into a room and, and start hashing out like a, like a set list? Um, well, personally, I've actually already written down, uh, my like top picks, for the festival. Um, and I would really love to be able to play a little something from every album. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about, uh, you know, how long the sets are going to be and whatnot, but, um, I think 45 minutes is probably likely. And I think in that time we'll be able to maybe, you know, hit, hit three songs or so from, from every album. Um, I'm not entirely sure, uh, when we'll be able to, uh, get together. Uh, I mean, we do have quite a few months to figure it out. Right. Um, but I think, uh, fairly soon Mercedes and I are going to start getting together just to sort of, uh, jam things out. We live close by. Um, the other girls are not in, uh, London, Ontario. So, um, but you know, everybody's, everybody's pretty pro about stuff. So I'm not super concerned i think sort of when it comes down to it we'll definitely be able to to make it happen like uh that show that we did in 2017 when we had uh, all the different lineups of kitty right. play uh nobody practiced like only Merce- <laughs> only mercedes and i practiced and right. i mean we put the the concert out it turned out incredible so you know everybody that has been in this band that has uh you know they've all been stellar musicians and and uh um i think uh this will be no different it'll be a really really good time what what went into having Ivy play bass? What was a lot of begging and pleading? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, no. I mean, so yeah, like I mean, Ivy had played on uh, two of our albums, uh, the last two albums that we did, and um, you know, she left the band um, right before the very last like big tour that we ended up doing. Um, so she did the Soundwave Festival with us in 2012, and that was the last. Um, you know, those last, the last shows that we did with her. Um, and, you know, she just kind of settled into, you know, more normal life, started a family, you know, got married. Um, and so that's sort of been what she's been up to. But, you know, Ivy's a metal girl at heart, you know, and um, she's always been super, super easygoing about stuff. Um, and, you know, I just uh, sent her a message and it was like, hey, you know, 
do can we talk? And we had like a really, really great phone call. Um, and just sort of, you know, explain the situation, explain what was going on, um, and asked if she'd be into doing it. And she was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, like no real, like, hmm, ha, you know, (laughs) it's, it's very much one of those things where, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, talk that often anymore. You don't see each other that often, but then when you all get together again, that chemistry and that vibe is, is always there. And, you know, I, I feel like that lineup of Kitty in particular was always is very like super pro, super chill, um, no stress, you know, no drama, just like, you know what, we're going to go out there and we're going to sound amazing. And like, she's an incredible bass player. I don't think that Ivy gets enough credit. Um, she is, yeah, absolutely incredible. So it's going to be great. With with a festival this big with so many bands on it, it was it and you said that you first started hearing about it last October. It's pretty mm-hmm. crazy that it was kept under wraps this long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, for 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 how massive this thing's gonna be. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. Like they <laughs> tell you, like, don't say anything and you hope that nobody does. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, like I think I think I saw like um uh like a good friend of mine who knows someone that's very, very into my chemical romance, like travels all over to watch them play or whatever said that the dates were up on their website, like as part of a tour before the actual show was announced. Okay. So it was like, they had, you know, so it was like, I think, you know, secretly under the radar, like the, the, the dates were sort of out there. Um, But, you know, we weren't, able to make any any big announcements until i'm sure they had to finalize a lot of a lot of stuff you know the lineup uh personally going into it i only knew one band that was going to be playing and they were like oh yeah my chemical romance will be one of the headliners and i was like okay that sounds great let's let's do (laughs) it why not right yeah yeah so so they kept adding dates to it too so when they add a second and a third date Mm -hmm. are are they are they reaching out and saying, Hey guys, can you guys do another date? Or are they just kind of throwing them out there, hoping, hoping that he'll just continue to stay on the festival? Well, um, so the first, uh, two shows, like, uh, when, when we were first approached, it was sort of, um, brought to us like this first date on October 22nd is the show with the potential for the next day as well. Um, and so I think that they had already sort of, planned ahead that this was going to be popular enough that um a second date would be added so i'm assuming you know i knew and i think i'm pretty you know kitty we're pretty far down the chain (laughs) um so that uh, everybody else probably was also privy to that information and then uh the date on the 29th for the next weekend that was like surprise um so now it's like our las vegas weekend is turning into like a las vegas week-long vacation (laughs) which i'm fine with as well um so yeah we were playing the the two shows on the one weekend and then probably stick around in vegas for the whole week and see what happens and then um wrap it up on the 29th yeah it's pretty nuts i mean i was i was wondering like do you stay in vegas do you guys try to try to do a a quick circle tour somewhere like you know go out and do a few dates and come back like what what's what are the thoughts there i don't know i mean um being able to like play shows around is something that we, I don't think we really entertained, um, you know, because, you know, there are going to be fly in shows. So, you know, we're not going to be dragging all of our gear and stuff. Right. Um, but I think that uh, in general, like just this idea is opening doors for more of this type of stuff. Like, I don't know that, you know, a full on tour is something that's going to be in, in the books for a kitty, but I think, um, you know, with the right uh, opportunity, like when we were young festival um, and maybe some other, you know, other festivals, other sort of short runs, you know, big weekend things. Um, I think these, these possibilities are, are totally, you know, they're totally doable, but like, we're old, man. Like we're old. <laughs> you just turned 40. I Jeez. did. Yeah. We're old. We have kids, you know, like, you know, some of us do anyways, not me, but, um, but yeah, so it's like, you know, you got to, work around life priorities and stuff but you know my back hurts you know i don't think i could do 45 shows in 45 days that's like a young person's game (laughs) 
Have you guys done many fly-in dates? Was was Kitty ever a fly-in date kind of band? Uh, personally, I hate them, but okay. um, yeah, like I mean, we have done that type of thing. It's always uh, always felt a little um, made me feel a little insecure, um, only because you know when you're on a tour every day, it's your gear. You know, like yeah. that stuff is sitting in my music room in my basement. Right, you right. know what I mean? It's like so that's your stuff, and that stuff is you know you have. The ability to, you know, you know, just know how things feel, yeah, how things yeah. are supposed to sound, all that stuff, right? And so flying in is a little bit uh, weird because it's like, well, you give them, you know, your your backline requests, and then it's like, well, you know, uh, you hope that you're going to get exactly what you want, and will how different or weird will it sound if you don't, you know, these types of things. Um, so. I, I mean, I'm sure it'll be great, and uh, I'm sure that they'll be able to provide us with some some good sound and stuff. Um, <laughs> They're going to show up to like a PV combo amp. And- oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I would cry. No, man, I'm like, I, if I, it's really hard for me to even go outside of the Mesa Boogie realm, you know? Like, give me a dual or a triple, Road King. I think that's about as diverse as I'm, I would prefer you know right so so it's not a it's not a secret you just turned 40 you know you yeah. put, it was posted on facebook mm-hmm. and it, was all, it was all over uh how, how do how are you with aging how, how are you with this uh i don't know how do i look no oh, you look fine i'm just i'm asking <laughs> how, how do you how does it make you feel to age, um I guess? honestly uh it's kind of weird um yeah. i i could remember a time like in my teens being or even younger than that, being like, wow, 18 is like really old. Being like, wow, I can't picture myself at that age. And then, you know, at age 18, I'm like out touring the world and playing shows and and whatnot. And so, you know, to just keep on trucking and then now be 40 and I don't know, still feeling the same. It's like, it's a weird thing, aging. Um, You know, when you're young, you have a certain perception about, you know, what being quote unquote old is. Um, and you know, you think, Oh, I'll never be like that. Or, you know, like it's, it's a really strange thing. And then when you get to that age, you're like, wow, well, where did that time go? First of all. Um, and like, wow, I feel exactly the same. Like I, I feel definitely less dumb. Um, (laughs) well, uh, well, you know what I mean? Like, uh, life always, you know, with age comes experience and life lessons, you know, all the things that you have to, the traumas and the things you have to endure in order to sort of come to a place in your life where you feel um, like you understand things a bit more or whatever, that you can be more accepting or, or whatnot. So yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, I think I, I think I, I feel good. Uh, That's good. I look all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, just gotta keep, keep doing my thing. Uh, you know, I really, I really enjoy uh, exercising. I think, you know, taking care of your body is important. It's the, your meats, you only get one meat suit. So, I was, uh, I have, I have a friend of mine that I grew up with, you know, and, and I always say like, you, do you realize that when we were like 13 that my dad was like 35, right. you know, you know, you, you always think you always look back and you're like, he was a thousand. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a really strange thing to think about, you know, um, uh, you know, passing the age that your parents were when, you know, they had you and, right. and that type of thing. And like, when you're that young, you're like, wow, my, you know, your parents are everything. Like they know everything. They're, they're the be all and end all. And it's just a really, yeah, it's a weird thing to like surpass that and then be like, wow, realize like they had no fucking idea. This <laughs> right. is incredible knowledge. Yeah. There's a meme out there. I think it's like, it's like, not only are they watching you grow up, you are also watching them grow up, but yeah. they, you, you just don't know it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely crazy times. Um, sure. Speaking of kind of the, the nostalgia of everything, you've been doing a couple little roundtables here and there mm-hmm. with the with the early you know kitty members. How how yeah. are you? How are you enjoying kind of going down memory lane with everybody? Oh, you know what? It's it's great. I mean, I feel like um, you know the last like five or so years, um, you know, especially since the kickoff of like the documentary, like being able to revisit a lot of those memories, um, 
has been, it's been a pleasure, you know, and like the documentaries, like I said, it, it kicked it all off. We were able to, you know, all sort of, I guess, reconnect in a way that's like, hey, we're not the people that we used to be. Um, you know, we're all sort of grown up and have all come to, you know, understand and appreciate the the time that we had uh, in the band, um, you know, however, you know, short or long it was. And I think we all kind of, you know, we, we all feel connected um, through that in some way. And so it's always cool to, to be able to do that and to, um, you know, to acknowledge and appreciate all of, uh, you know, all of Kitty, because, you know, there's, there is a lot of history involved with the band, you know, with, you know, the, you know, the first lineup, the first album, every album, you know, until the last couple had, you know, a different lineup. And so, and everybody brought something special to the table. So um, it's really, it's really cool. It's really cool to be able to look back. It's cool to be able to be cool with everybody and just, you know, have a laugh about what a weird life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be nice to just be able to, there's no animosity there. So you can yeah. go back and just, you know, have a good time and talk about, you know, obviously with you guys, I mean, you guys were, were teenagers when all of this stuff started happening too. So, so now looking through the lens of a, of a 40 year old, looking mm -hmm. back at, at your teenage self has got to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's fun, but then also you're like, wow, that was really fucked up. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it just all depends on, you know, what you're looking at, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really great to be able to reminisce, to be able to, to all just be, you know, cool with, with everything, you know? Um, and yeah, like, especially the early, the early days and like the first album, like we were very silly. We were so young. Everything was so new. Um, we we're super kind of like naive and just like going with the flow, not really knowing, you know, uh, what was going to come next. And, and, uh, there's, uh, there's magic to that. So. One last thing on the uh, When We Were Young Festival. Looking yeah. at the lineup, I mean, you guys are really the only representative of the kind of the new metal era mm -hmm. on there. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, you know, one of these things and not like the other when I saw the Kitty logo finally. Uh, you know, you have a lot of pressure there. Do you feel like, uh, you, you know, you have, you have a lot riding on you there? Um, <laughs> not really. Um, I, I mean, I've looked at the lineup and I think, I'm like, wow, like we might be the heaviest band there, like, which is kind of cool. I think Atreyu is pretty heavy though. Yeah. Like they, they brought it back in the day and that'll be cool to see. Um, but yeah, like I can't really think of like, you know, m like more like metal, you know? Right. Like I think like we, like we toured with like motionless and white years ago and like they're heavy, but they right. have like a, that different kind of, you know, and I don't know, they've, 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 you know, sort of evolved into different stuff or whatever, but like, we're not playing, you know, new music. We're playing stuff from our back catalog and it's uh, all like pretty, everything after spit is pretty metal, you know? So like, I guess we're kind of just representing new metal, but also right. one of the more heavy kind of acts, but you know what? I'm totally cool with that. I, I think that's like, awesome. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be seeing Kitty for the first time. There's going to be a lot of people that are, have, have no fucking idea who we are that are probably going to be like, wow. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like we're, we're, we're in it to, to bring, to bring the shit, you know, we're gonna, we're just going to do what we do and hope it is impressive. I think you're the only band from like Ozfest. 99 on here whatever you know yeah like yeah or whatever. totally but i think that that kind of a that kind of a nostalgia festival would be a cool thing to do too i would certainly be open to that if it was like you know uh bring the new metal 2023 well, there was, or something there were a few uh obviously you know you've seen the different you know when we were young and it's all new metal bands or all this mm -hmm. and it, kitty kind of popped up on a few different ones it was you know you guys were on the jokingly when we were new festival one yeah that, that featured primer 55 also uh and yeah. then uh <laughs> and then there was uh like you know when we were metal and you you guys were on that one too so it's kind of fun to see that the band kind of crossed over to a few different genres of yeah. uh, of, of nostalgia 
I love that. And I, I actually had seen a couple of the, the meme like ones and I was like, Oh, nice to see. We actually made it on the, 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 the dream bills too, you know? Um, but we're also going to actually be there. So yeah, I don't know. Like our music is, is strange. It is, it has crossed many barriers. I think the genre, like you can't really pinpoint a genre. So we just say that we're metal and that's it. Nice. Well, uh, as the host of the Witchfinger Horror Podcast, mm-hmm, yes, uh, we're going to dive into the uh, Throwback Throwdown edition, and I wanted you to do top five '80s horror. Oh gosh! And, uh, and I, you mm. know, I was, I was thinking of a twist on it. Even like the top five episodes of the Witchfinger, like the the five movies you guys had the most fun with. Oh my god! Okay, well, if yeah, if you guys want to listen to some like really super great episodes. Um, let me think. Um, we also we have some video episodes that are pretty good too. Um, that we did the after dark stuff. So there's a couple of those. I would say uh, Fright Night, definitely one of my favorites. Um, that one was an incredible episode, a, a lot of fun. Uh, the Return of the Living Dead, uh, also a, fa- a great movie. I would say both of those movies in in my top five but also in my top five, which finger um, I'm trying to think what else uh, I'm going to go with the uh, rotor uh, after dark, which is uh, on YouTube uh, rotor. Isn't really a horror movie, but it is a ridiculous eighties <laughs> sort of sci-fi. It's like kind of wants to be Terminator kind of Robocop. It's about a robot police officer guy. Um, but it is, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, it's absolutely silly and Witchfinger, of course, um, covered it. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, like some of our earlier episodes are just, just terrible. Mystics in <laughs> Bali. Uh, that one is, is awful because it's the first one. Um, trying to think the very last, I, like we've done so many of them now. I'm like, what movies have we done? I can't think of any of them, but we've done them all. I need one more. <laughs> how about uh, how about oh, what's what's a good one? New Year's Evil. We just okay. did that one was uh, last New Year's. That that's a good one as well. I also just got that tape uh, from my friend and co-host Yasmina for my birthday. New Year's Evil. Excellent, excellent film. Good times. Well, as we wrap up here, you know, our, our, well, actually, before we wrap up, we'll do this. Yeah. Uh, what's the, what's the future of car chaos? You, you said you had a little bit to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we uh, have finished all of the tracking for the album now. Finally, I think the last time we spoke, uh, I hadn't gone up to do the vocals yet. And that actually happened last fall. There was a nice little break in some of the, you know, pandemic numbers. And it was like, I'm going to travel. So I went up to Montreal I uh, stayed uh, with Chris Donaldson from Cryptopsy uh, and recorded at his home studio there. All the Drop vocals. a name, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he, you know, he produced and recorded the album, so um, it's going to sound amazing. He does a lot of great work. He does all the Cryptopsy stuff, too. So um, he's got a great home studio there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're really just sort of waiting for the right time to uh, reconvene and make sure that we can do all the things that we need to do to make this album release great. You know, Um, for me, it's like uh, a lot of the traveling stuff, obviously is Montreal is a little bit of a distance, but um, you know, being prepared for like, you know, making sure we, there's music videos, photo shoots, all that stuff. So I'm thinking like within the next year, it uh, it should definitely uh, be out. Um, and uh yeah like it's gonna it's i think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for sure um i i've a few people that i know that i'm very close with uh one person including tara um a guitar player of kitty uh heard some of the vocals and was like that doesn't even sound like you um like i spent most of the pandemic just like working on my voice to try to improve you know, to, you know, take my voice from like here to like here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've just always wanted to have a man voice and, and I think I'm, I'm getting close. So some of my, my most proud vocal achievements are, are on this album. So, uh, I think that's saying something. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, the the one-off dates for the uh, When We Were Young Fest are basically the only thing on the books right now for Kitty. Yeah. Yeah. So far, um, we've got the festival. Uh, lots to look forward to with that. Um, there might be some other things maybe coming down the pipe, one or two things. Um, but you'll have to, you know, watch this space and the Kitty space. Uh, <laughs> Kitty spaces are new social media. Um just kidding um like myspace right but kitty yeah. yeah get it get it anyway i was there i got you i know um but yeah so we uh we might have one or two cool things coming down the pipe but for now those are the only dates that we have and we're super looking forward to them and uh, i think this is just the beginning of um maybe seeing us around a little more yeah i mean it's definitely like we said, you know, the, even the fly dates, I know we talked about the, the logistics of them and all, but I mean, you know, get out there, do a little bit here and there and, and, yeah. and you know, a little kitty's never going to hurt anybody. Absolutely. You know, like it'll be, it'll be one hell of a good time. You know, I am really, really excited. Coming out of retirement's pretty cool. Well, it will have been about five years since your last show. So yeah. And that's funny because when I was speaking with Ivy, she remarked that, from the last show five years ago then from that show it was also five years for her so it was like 2012 like like every five years we're like let's get together again you wait Um, till 2027 it's going yeah you know what i promise we won't make it that long in between i think uh i think that you know if the if the right opportunity comes we'll make it we'll make it we'll make it happen awesome well morgan lander thanks so much for taking some time with me tonight here on uh talk to me not fest.com of course thank you so much Always a pleasure. All right, huge thank you to Morgan for taking some time with us tonight. And uh, we did top five uh, B-list horror movies with her because of her Witch Finger, uh, what is it? The Witch Finger Hour podcast that she does, which is all sure. being, uh, horror movie related. So, you know, I, I am not a huge horror movie fan. I don't know about you. Not a huge one, but I, I certainly have a couple of B movies that are horror horror classics or not necessarily classics, but I know of them that I can I can reference. Um there's always um a, a recent one with a friend of a friend of my show, James L. Edwards. Um, right. her name was Krista. Oh. That's <laughs> that's Dude. some that's some horrific shit there. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but that's a good one. That's that that was uh, that's that's pretty pretty dark. Um, I'm trying to think of some really good horror ones. I, I mean, kind of like the child's play stuff, but that's not really B movie right. stuff. Um, yeah. Back in the old days, there were two, and these are real. Some of these are real old. I'm, I'm really going to show why the beard's white and not dark like yours. But um, there was a movie called Laser Blast back okay. in the back in the 70s, I think it would have been, and it was about a guy. He found this alien gun, and he had to put it on, like he had to put his hand in it to use it. And I don't know why he did. I, I don't even remember why he did, but he put it on. Then it just started taking over his mind and stuff. And he went on a killing spree. Nice. You know, so there, there's that one laser blast. And then another one was called crawl. Do you remember crawl? That sounds familiar. <laughs> this one was that it, it, it was kind of like this, the, he found this like shooting or not shooting like a throwing star, but it was made of crystal and it was big, like a <laughs> Japanese star. And somehow it got broken and it, it had a life of its own and it 
the pieces that were broken would like find their way into your arm and just dig themselves into your arm and crawl up your arm and stuff. And then you would go kill people if you were possessed by the, the, <laughs> this thing. And another, another weird, these are old, way old school. Um, then there's yeah. another one called magic. I don't know if you ever seen magic, but that's about like puppets and stuff, which is always freaky and creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thinking back to it, you know, I mean, like Critters, maybe I think it was kind yeah. of a kind of a you know goofy movie or whatever, and then uh, a House. I remember watching House a lot. Some of the Friday sure. the Thirteenth, Jason Lives type stuff. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, as a kid, I always watched comedies. I was never big sure. into the horror movie stuff. Yeah, I, you know what, I went through. I loved horror movies as in the eighties. I loved that whole campy premise of it. They're, yeah. they're, you know, it's so cheesy, it's so campy, but it's. But it's kind of fun in the horrificness of it. But then in the 90s and 2000s, that went away, especially the 2000s, when it went from being f- kind of funny to being just like, like jump scares. Yeah, just just trying to trying to outgore the next one, you know, oh, all yeah. the all those movies. And I, I'm not a big fan of that, like Saw and all that stuff. Not a fan, you know, right. just because there's nothing fun about it. It's like, okay, I'm trapped in a room. I got to cut my foot off if I want to get out of here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Great. Hey, you know. Here we go again. Yeah. Where, where you take like a Jason, you know, a, a Friday 13th or yeah, Friday 13th or Freddy Krueger or whatever, you know, Freddy Krueger before every kill has something funny to say. So you get a laugh right before the kill. Right. And it makes it a little more fun. The eighties was definitely the, the, the era of that for sure. Oh Yeah. Well, man, as we uh, as we wrap up here, man, uh, what's what's a recommendation you have for the week? Um, I'll give you two. Okay, uh, I sent you one that I really like. This band called Rage Behind. You know, it's if since since I'm assuming most people watching this like Slipknot. If you're if you're looking for a Slipknot ripoff band that doesn't suck, look up Rage <laughs> right? Behind on YouTube. There, I mean, there's only one song that I've heard out there called. Uh, like exit i forget what it's called extinct and disguise or so i don't remember what the song's called it's something like that but i know the band is called rage behind and um that band is really kick-ass if you like if you like that whole slip not the fast drumming and that that type of a deal and then i'll plug our good friend david ellison he has a he has a project called fatal opera that um that they just put out on combat records and it's um it is a a collection of finished demos with uh, Gar Samuelson from the earliest of Megadeth years. Okay, yeah. And there's a song on it called "The Raven" that features Gar and Chris Poland and Ellison. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's it's like the the core of the old the old old oldie time Megadeth back at least for one song. So, it's uh it's it's good stuff. I mean, obviously Gar passed away, but to hear those three play in a song again was pretty neat so and the whole album's real good too so if you if you're just looking for something you like megadeth fatal opera and it's just called fatal opera three all right yeah i'll give you two things i'll give you a podcast i'll give you uh give you an album um friend of the show uh maddie mullins from memphis may fire uh you know if i would have done a best of 2021 i probably would have put them high up on there but they've been kind of doing the release a single here and there stuff and uh and so they just released the American Dream, okay, uh, which adds to uh, which adds to Left for Dead, Somebody Bleed Me Dry, Death Inside, Blood Water. So that's all out now. You can check that out. And then the podcast uh, is 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 by Revolver. It's called Fan First. Okay. Um, Australian lady does the show. I don't have her name in front of me, but I listened to a really good interview with uh, her doing an interview with Kirk Winstein today. Um, which I could hear him talk to anybody. I'm, I'm looking sure. forward to your interview with him too, but uh, she kind of does the interviews. I dig, you know, I'm way more into, you know, what made you want to pick up a guitar, what right. the first band you got into things like that. So they definitely, you know, he talks about how much he loved Elton John as a kid, which I don't think I've ever heard that. No, you know, <laughs> I, I, always hear, I always hear the kiss stuff, but he said the first thing that he really got into mm. was, was uh, like an Elton John's greatest hits in the early seventies. So, Jeez. so yeah, Jeez. she, you know, can you imagine Kurt Winstein running around his house singing Tiny Dancer or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll have to get that out there. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, go check that out. It's called Fan First. Uh, okay. You, you know, about I think she's got about 20 episodes out. And, uh, you know, she's obviously on the same, 
you know, uh, a list of guests that we have, sure. <laughs> you know, that it does, it does tend to be, uh, you know, Brandon Boyd, I, then I get him and then, you know, Kirk Winstein, she has some kind of stuff like that too. So, but, uh, but yeah, the, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, premise for a show and it seems to have direction and you know, she seems to know what she's talking about. Cool. Very cool. I'll check that out. Well, cool. Well, uh, Chris, man, I appreciate you taking some time with me today. Sure, man. <laughs> appreciate gonna... you keeping the coof over there and not giving it to me. <laughs> Dude, it, 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 like I said, it, it like kicked my ass the one day. And then ever since that, I just can't unclog my sinuses. Yeah. Well, at least you don't have the brain fog. That was the thing for me is I felt like I was stoned for about three months. <laughs> just was awful, but whatever. At least we're healthy now. Right. There we go. All right, guys. Well, for the uh, Talk To Me podcast, I'm Joshua Toomey. And I am Satan. (laughs) And uh, we will uh, summon you next week. That's right. The Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast. 